Hi, everybody. I know that's that's still scary for me, too. Uh, just still warming up to it. But it definitely exudes a sense of importance, I think, Adam. The Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast is back. It's our second episode for the year. I'm Mike Shope, WGR in Buffalo with Adam Krautwurst. Draft Sharks helps us out, and we're grateful to them. We were talking about, because Adam does a lot of the booking for us, and Adam's like, who can we get? And I said, you know what we haven't done yet? And this goes back to last year with the Draft Sharks Invitational as well, is I haven't really talked to you before. I've met Adam twice socially, and we've sort of gotten to know each other that way. But really, like when you said, I want to have a podcast for high-stakes players, my first thought was, uh-oh, I think he thinks I'm one of them. <laughs> and I really haven't been before, but I, I feel like maybe it's time for me and this podcast is going to help me. And the guy I want to talk to about it is you. So I've got some hard questions. We're going to get you in this year. We're taking you, you know, you're in the deep end now, Mike. You got sink or swim. It says all over the screen. It's all over the deep end. That's right. It's sink or swim. You're in the deep end. You know, we like to call it the deep end because a lot of the guys we're going to interview uh, are high stakes guys swimming in kind of the deep end of the fantasy football world. You're going to, I think you're going to learn a lot from it. I'm heck. The reason why I want to do it is I, I want to learn a lot from these from these guys. But yeah, tonight we can certainly talk about some of the uh, events I like to play in and and all that all that good stuff. Well, if you want, we can start there. Just thinking about like, so it's it's not exactly the beginning of the year. We're at the end of March, but as Todd pointed out on last week's show, a lot of the big money FFPC stuff is not available yet. You know, it really gets going. Football guys is in May, I believe. And then main event will be, what, August. So, you know, especially if you're somebody like I think most of us who play and would watch a show like this where you just can't wait for it, how do you figure out where and how you want to spend your money for the year? Or is that not how you would do it? Would you not? It seems to me like going back to being in school and living in my parents' house, it would be this is how you sort of budget your money and you make long-term plans and you make sure you don't spend above the line. Yeah. Is that, is that how it works for you? Yeah. So before, you know, back when I, I've been doing fantasy since 96, right? So before it was just playing in, you know, local friends leagues and stuff like that. And, and the bankroll didn't really matter. It was just like, oh, I got a couple bucks. Let me play with my friends here and there. But then when you start to get into these high stakes, basically like when you're in the, the main event, right? That's where you're really going to start saying, okay, how many leagues can I afford to do? The main event with the FFPC is, is $1,900 for your first team. Every team after that is fifteen hundred. Yeah, that can get very expensive. Now the, the prize is is a half a million, but um, you know you're competing against the best of the best too. It's not like hey, let's do a home league and charge everyone two grand when no one really knows what they're doing, and you have you know you have a good chance of winning. That's uh, not really how all this works. So so yeah, managing the, the bankroll is big, and that's kind of what what I do now. So I've got a couple of uh, of, of investors as well, guys that just want to have some skin in the game. Uh, but don't necessarily want to manage teams or whatever. So I have a couple of those guys that kind of bankroll um, me and help and help me kind of monetize that. And then we kind of sit down together and we can go over some of that tonight about what leagues we're going to be doing. But we sit down together, figure out, hey, what's what's the best leagues to get some good ROI and uh, so the return on investment? You know, two years ago, uh, 19, 2019, yeah, uh, I came in fifth in the, the main event with only th- uh, three teams. So I thought that was a pretty good return on investment there. Fifth place paid out fi- 15 grand. You know, you'd think that, oh my gosh, fifth out of thousands of people at a $1,900 entry fee, but it's a pretty, 
the payouts at the, at, at the top. It's half a million to win the whole thing. So, so we'll go over some events I'm in that can kind of, um, kind of evens out the, the, the payout structure, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you definitely, when you get to this level, when you're playing in high stakes, you want to make sure you've got the bankroll for it. Cause you know, it's just like poker, anything else gambling, it's only use what you, what you can afford. So when you get a year like COVID, when it comes and kicks your butt, uh, you have enough to come back to the, the next year. Well, one thing you said reminds me of sports betting where you hear people talk about making sure you get the best price. So yeah. I would think this means that you need to be working different platforms. And, you know, FFPC, we talk a lot about them. NFFC, maybe Underdog. I mean, how many? Yahoo? How many are we talking about? We're talking about a lot here. So the different sites here, I might as well pull it up now. The different sites that I like to use are, so starting with the FFPC, right? So we got the, the main event here. This is their, their flagship event. This is what made me fall in love with high stakes fantasy football. Uh, it's $1,900 for, for a main event team, $1,800 if you're going to draft online, and the grand prize is for $500,000. I think last year they had three or 4,000 entries, and so I get into this. I, draw, I fly out to Vegas, meet with everybody. It's an absolute blast, especially when those free drink tickets start flying around there. You know what I mean? You kind of got to hold on. That's its own strategy. That, that yeah, is its right. own, you have to have the discipline for that too, I would say. Or you got to have a co-owner that is disciplined. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah no so that, that that's fun so I certainly do these um I'll probably do you know I was in seven last year I'll probably do around the same amount this year uh, so the main event will be a place I'll I'll be attacking online and and in Vegas uh, the other thing I like to do too is the football guys players championship so that's three hundred and fifty bucks bucks a team um, which isn't really high, high stakes but when you do high volume in that kind of arena. Again, the grand prize is five hundred thousand bucks. So same, the, the same. But there's also ten thousand or eleven thousand teams. Yeah. Right. So there's way more teams. I think you've done a little bit of this, haven't you, Mike? Yes. What tends to be? I had three of these last year. I think. What tends to be your ratio from the main event to football guys? Is it is it about the same amount of dollars ultimately? No, that'd be a lot of football guys teams if you're doing three to seven main event teams. Yep. So you're not going to do four times as many football guys. Teams well, this year I'm doing 21. I'm doing 21 for football guys this year. Okay. So that comes out to uh, what about seven seven grand probably. Yeah. So, about um, three main event teams. Yeah, three main event teams. Yep. So again, uh, the leagues aren't high stakes, but when you do 21 of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. now 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 it's high stakes all of a sudden. And I love which, the reason- which, which do you think oh, is the better bet, Adam? Which is the better bet, the three main event teams or the 21 of these? The main the, the main event teams. Oh, um, a couple reasons why the main event pays out regular season elite league prize football guys did, does not the only prize that the football guys pays out was in the league playoffs and you could have an 11 i had two years ago i had i had a, a 10 or 11 and 0 team 10 and 1 11 and 0 that cleaned up in the regular season and didn't win a d- didn't win me a dime uh, i lost in the first round of the league championship and then in the, the big playoff structure they do the three-week sprint there uh that just kind of died out so you have a team go 10 and 1, 11 and 0, you don't win a single dime off of it. So that, that's hard. At least in the main event, they are paying out uh, for regular season. Um, so I do like that. Um, so the, the main event, if I, you know, if I wanted to not diversify and spend my money a little more wisely, I would do more main events. The thing is, I love to draft all year long, right? So the great thing about football guys is May 2nd, I think, I think May 1st, I'm, I'm in, I think I miss it. I'm so mad. I usually like to do the first football guys of the year, but May 2nd, I'm in a, I'm in a draft already for football guys. I got, I got the third pick, Mike, we can talk about that later. You already um, know. So it's already full. It's already full. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, 
the great thing about football guys is I love to draft and I love to diversify the portfolio. So I want to start drafting at the beginning of May, all the way through the end, end of August. So in order to get 21 drafts in and kind of diversify throughout the course of the year, football guys is the way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the main event really doesn't start running till, um, till late August. Last year, they started at the beginning of July with some slow uh, email drafts. I don't know if they're doing that this year. Um, but I won't start my main event until late August. Um, so football guys is really kind of feeds the addiction. It kind of prepares you for the, for, for the main event. Do you feel that the, you, you start late August because you want to, you want to just process all the information from the preseason. I mean, everybody, no matter when you start, you're all going, you're all going to have the same information. So you'd have that really, that seems like a matter of taste. The, the addiction aside, uh, it seems like more a matter of taste because I, I think there is a pretty interesting sort of strategy I- itself in going in early before the draft and before even free agency to, you know, try to play, play, try to find advantages that early on in the, in the off season. Yeah. I'm certainly doing best balls right now. I mean, you know, we, we've been doing them since December, but the best balls kind of give me a, uh, kind of a feel for the landscape, kind of get the ADP at the time. You know, there's a joke on Twitter out there about how the the, the Revelations draft, I think it is, is is really the draft that sets the ADP for the FFPC. But, um, yeah, these be- these early best balls kind of get you in the in the zone of kind of who's going where. And then the football guys, again, is this whole other competition from the main event. That 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 gives you ADP as, as well, but even that will shift dramatically when it comes to, to, to the main event. Um, but the football guys, yeah, is the addiction going through. And then I don't like to do the main event till August. Like you said, me, not even for information's sake, but for injury sake. Like I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put $1,900 in and have a guy get hurt in the second preseason game. You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure I, you know, everyone's in the same playing field for that as well. Because in a tournament, you know, yes, we all have the same information, but if I draft Saquon Barkley, he gets hurt week three of the preseason and then the main event's still drafting. Now Saquon Barkley's off everyone else's board, you know, that's and I'm right. stuck with him. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of the, one of the other reasons why I like waiting until late, late August here. And then some of the other ones I'm going to be doing this year for, for the first time, which I'm super excited about, Mike is the $3,000 varsity. So I'm going to be doing that this year. That's live in Vegas, $3,000 entry fee. I don't know if you guys can see it there. It's a $20,000 yep. grand prize. So it's 12, 12 teams. First place is 20 grand. Second place is 8,200. Third place is 3750. The reason why I like that is, you know, so a main event team's $1,900. The varsity league here is 3000. So it's not even, it's, it's less than twice as much. But if I win first place out of 12 teams, I get $20,000. Now I came in fifth place in the main event two years ago and only made 15. Mm-hmm. So to me having to compete, yeah, it's a little bit more, but only having to compete with 12 guys and have a chance at winning 20 grand. I like those odds. So, and it pays out for three spots. So I'm definitely going to dip into the, the varsity on, um, in Vegas. I'm going to do that live. I'm also going to do the, the 1250 auction in Vegas, which pays out, um, 1250, uh, to the one and two seeds in the playoffs and then seven K to first prize. It pays out three as well. Again, that's a, that's a nice payout structure for me there. And then I'm going to do the 1250 best ball, uh, the 750 best ball and the 750 auction. So um, on top of the, you know, the main events I'll be doing. So I'm kind of going to dive into a little bit more of the high stakes world where there's less tournament play and more kind of focused on just your uh, 12 team league. A home league only with top players and for a lot more money than most home leagues. So that's really, that comes down to that. Um, yes. you, talked, you talked earlier about 
having investors. So what can you tell us about that? Like if I wanted to play on this sort of level financially, I probably would need to find people to back me. I don't know if I could find people that would want to back me and then leave me alone with these teams. I mean, that it seems like the kind of thing where you really have to show your, your, your street cred, if you will, on that. Or is it sometimes a matter of, well, those investors can make certain decisions or do you tend to want to cut them out of those decisions? And is that how most high stakes players would do it? Yeah, I think that's how most high stakes players would do it. So the I'm lucky enough that my, my two investors are guys that I've been playing with for years, you know, guys in home leagues that know my experience have seen that have seen the success and just want to, they want skin in the game. And, you know, it's also, you know, too, is why spend $1,900 on one main event team when you can spend, you know, $1,900 and get a piece of a couple of main event teams, you know, kind of going back to last year, uh, I forget what, what week it was 16. I can't remember. We had uh, Zeke Elliott was on the goal line against the giants, maybe. And he had three shots from the goal line to, to, to get in. And if, if, if he gets, if, if he doesn't get in, we win 4k for our main event. And if he does get in, then we don't get to the 4k and to be able to experience that with investors, like through a text message is just insanity. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to have that experience with people than opposed to by yourself. So, uh, you know, I could probably afford to do it by myself, but I just love having, um, having kind of teammates that are with me, but yeah, they kind of leave the drafting and the managing to, to, to me, you know, they, that's kind of what they're paying for essentially. So, um, cause they just kind of want to sit back and watch and, and relax. And some of them have come out to Vegas with me sometimes just to hang out. But other than that, they pretty much, they pretty much stay out of it. Interesting. Well, that would d- definitely vary around high stakes players, depending on what the, the personal relationships are and what the, you know, the financial advantages or whatever the situation is. So there'd be a, there'd be a pretty wide range there, but it's all very exciting. Yes. So, um, yeah, like a lot of that is a long ways off. You've got a sort of an idea how much you want to spend. You've got specific leagues picked out to where you want to spend them. You know, it's very different than my uh, my portfolio <laughs> because what I well, do is I'll give you an example. So right now I'm in a league with a lot of local guys, Buffalo and Rochester, and there's this very intricate, smartly designed offer sheet system. So certain guys are under contract for a period of years based on their salary. And then other guys still are what would be RFAs because they really didn't have those contracts. And so we set it up so that you could try to poach each other's players. And this is the set we're going into the second year of it, the first off season where there would be any of this tomorrow morning is when that starts. And Adam, like I am, I am sitting there staring at the spreadsheet all the time like what what do i want to do all these different situations this league is 50 bucks <laughs> and if my dad were to call in or type in in the chat he'd be like what did i teach you i mean how much how many hours are you putting into it for 50 dollars so my, my i like the the friendships and the different the different formats and things like that we're going to do a new dynasty league this year you get the draft the startup draft is the best there's only one of those yep. in any league's history but I put a lot of time and effort into leagues where there's really just not much of an, I mean, $300 maybe was first place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Listen, that, that mentality sounds like you're ready for, for, for the high stakes world. You know what I mean? I might maybe be, but I also like trades. Yeah. A lot of those leagues wouldn't allow for trades, which is good because I don't want people I don't know for that amount of entry fee making trades with each other, I think. Sure. Yeah. Hey, and before we move on real quick, Mike, I wanted to just, um, I want to talk about the KF. FSC, the Kentucky 
fantasy football state championship. So it sounds inclusive, right? Kentucky state championship, but it's, it's run by Farrell Elliott fan of the show. Uh, and I love, so Farrell's the uh, Balkman's co-host there for the high stakes fantasy football hour there with the FFPC. And he's been running this forever. Uh, I was in a, a big payback last year. I was in two big paybacks last year. It's a thousand dollar entry. One, one of those, or was uh, in the money with, for, for one of those, but, um, but I definitely, I'm going to be run. I'm going to be in Kentucky this year for this too. And, you know, we got, we'll talk about oh. this off, off show, but I want to, I want to drag you out to Kentucky with me this year too, but when it looks like April, uh, no. So these are okay. So let me, let, let me go over here. I, I I'll get to those ones, but April, these are the ones going right now. These are pre kind of pre NFL draft post draft $200 entries, um, kind of early birds, so to speak. Yeah. Um, not best ball, $5,000 grand prize. So I think all it's like a tournament style. Um, but you're pay you're, you're drafting now or you're drafting pre and post NFL draft. And, um, there's a $5,000 grand prize. They also have prizes for the main event and all that type of stuff. So this is new, this, uh, new last year to them. Um, you know, they're in Kentucky, so they got the, you know, the mint julep division and, uh, you know, all these different stuff, the millionaires row, all these different stuff with the Kentucky Derby. But yeah. so those are, those are fun. But yeah, so these big paybacks, these little thousand dollar leagues, these are these are nice, right? So these are um, single entry into this just the one league. You can get into a couple leagues, but they're not it's not tournament style, right? So these are end of August. So these are two weeks before Vegas. So a lot of people use these as prep for for Vegas because a lot of the high stakes guys pl- pl- play in both. So I've, I've heard there. him. I've heard him talk about this. I've heard of these. I've never done one, but I've heard of them. And I yeah, love Kentucky. So I'd be up for that, of course. Awesome. It's an absolute blast. I haven't been there live yet. I've only I'm going live this year. But yeah, again, it's a thousand dollar entry. First place gets five thousand. Most points in the regular season gets two thousand. So again, I'm kind of gearing more of the bankroll this year towards singular leagues where if right. I do well in my league, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up paying for everything, right? So um, so I, I'm doing a couple, I'm already registered as you can see for two big paybacks. I'm going to do, I haven't registered for the auctions yet, but I'm going to do probably both of these auction leagues, uh, $300 entry fees pays out 2000 to first, to first place. And then they have what's called the, their, their main event, um, which is only $300. Um, and I, and let me see what the grand prize is. $15,000 grand prize, you know, a maximum of 600 teams. So you're going to meet with 600 teams. You can have a bunch of entries in this and a shot at 15 K. So Farrell's great. The online was great. And the cool thing about this, Mike, I don't know if you have you ever done third round reversal before? Yes, quite a bit. Yeah. So this is third round reversal. Do you like it? You know, I like it because it's different. Last year, uh, I think it depends on honestly year, year to year. So you've got, you know, some years where the top of the draft is so heavy with those stud running backs that it probably would help those teams at the end of the first round who don't have any chance at these guys to get a a higher third round pick. Um, whereas other years, I'm not sure it quite matters. So in fact, excuse me, last year I was in two big paybacks and the cool thing about the big paybacks is you can, uh, so you get a thousand dollar fab budget, right? And you bid part of that fab budget to get your draft spot. So in one league, I blew my load and wanted the first pick Christian McCaffrey team, team stunk. Another league, I kind of waited back, had a later pick, had more fab budget, and that's the league I ended up winning money in. So I really, I really, at the end of the day, I think it obviously depends on how you draft, but um, I don't mind a little third round reversal every every now and then. Well, what do you think? I agree. I mean, I think it makes the more strategy, the better. So if you are doing it and instead of randomly 
assessing the draft order. Instead, what you're doing is you're assessing choices, you know, like you're ranking, you won the spin, so you decide where you're going first. And I think yes. third round reversal can make that more interesting. You know, I've done a couple where people prefer to be at the end and, you know, you figure out what kind of team you want and then the value, you know, you have tiers, right? So I, I think there, it, it just helps to make the slots at the end of the draft more appealing. So yeah, I'm for, I'm yeah, for the for most sure. strategy, you know, and that's, as I said before, as someone who spends $50 a year, to play in a league where I'm obsessing over whether I should put a bid in on Darnell Mooney. Like that's, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, so <laughs> I need to step it up a little bit. I think it's uh it's going to be good. We're, we're going to get you into the high stakes world this year. I'm going to make sure you put that to good, to good use, put all that yep. effort to good use uh, instead of toiling over, over, over $50. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like it, but I could also serve, serve me well to do these other things too. I, I'm excited about it. I'm learning a lot. Cool. So as this all plays out, you've got X amount of dollars to use to, to, to spend in this. And so how do you decide when a lot of a certain player in your portfolio is enough or too much? I mean, you certainly can remember uh, or know stories of both where like for me, it was James Robinson last year where I got to these August drafts like draft sharks invitation. I felt like I was already overweight on James Robinson. Then the year played out and we never talked to anybody who ever had him at all. Uh, yeah. So I should have kept going obviously, but now I know what, <laughs> what happened. He could have also just not made the team like most guys who are undrafted rookie running backs. Yeah. So do you, when do you decide who your favorites are going to be and how and, then the rest of that is figuring out how much of them on your teams is too much if there is such a thing. You know, so there is such a thing, right? And and I think we're going to talk to some guys this year. I think we'll have Todd from PA on. Um, he's a big best ball guy. I think he does, you know, 150 to 300 best ball drafts a year. So he's, he's in one guy. that I'm in now. Okay, perfect. Yep, exactly. So he does, he does a lot of stuff. Um, he and he's all over every, every site. Todd Todd's great. Todd was super helpful in helping us build that um, draft Rex Invitational last year. So big shout out to at Todd from BA. Definitely follow his show, the Run to Daylight podcast. He's he's excellent. And and then we're gonna talk to guys like that where they say, hey, you don't want and I, I don't want to misquote these guys, but you don't want more than maybe twelve to fifteen percent of the same players in the first two rounds, right? You want to, you want to diversify that portfolio. When in the playing. first two rounds. That's in the, the first two rounds. Because yeah. as it gets later, you'll go heavier on certain people. Sure. Because it's not going to kill you if that guy goes down. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So, and again, I, I'm pretty sure that that's what he said on the recent podcast with, with Matt Schauf over at draft sharks. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, there is such a thing as, is that type stuff. And like I said, we're going to talk to those guys and as I get into my, so the thing, the cool thing about high stakes is you don't really have to worry too much about that because like, if I've got seven main event teams, right. And I've got, you know, I'm not getting seven first number one picks to get, you know, so I don't have to worry about being overweight on Christian McCaffrey or, or whoever. Um, so that's, that, that's the great thing about high stakes. Now the football guys is a little bit different and I kind of want to pick Todd's brain and pick some of those guys. Um, I know crack rock does a lot of leagues and, you know, those, those guys. Uh, so I want to pick their brain on what they think the right, the right percentages are. But, but as far as that goes, yeah, it's, um, uh, as far as flag planting, I'm, I certainly am not, I'm not doing it now. 
wait until after, after the draft. And then you can start to process, okay, coaching changes, right? Roles, what player, what roles are players going to have right now? Cause we like our guys now in, in best ball drafts, but we don't necessarily are going to plant our flags on them for six, for six months. Right. So, you know, cause guys are rookie receivers are going to get drafted. They're going to change that type of stuff. Um, you know, backfields are going to draft running backs that are going to change uh, carries and uh, and roles and all that stuff. So I'm not flag planting now. I probably start to flag plant around uh, late July, early August is when I'm going to start to say, okay, um, I've got the coaching changes. I've got the depth charts. I've got my thoughts on certain players. And then, and then training camp starts to start, you know, and you see kind of the roles of the different guys and that's when you say, okay, time to plant my flag on this guy and start to really, whatever drafts come, this is the guy I'm hammering in the fifth round. This is the guy I'm hammering in the seventh round. You know, last year for me, I was right on some guys. I was wrong on some guys. You know, I was big on Jonathan Taylor at the end of the second, early third, planted my flag on him. Uh, I was big on Tyler Higby, planted my flag on him. He was not so good. So, but yeah, that's usually about the general time that I'm going to start doing stuff like that. You know, Taylor ended up third in the league in rushing. Yes. <laughs> I remember us doing a podcast, Mike, back in, you know, whenever it was, maybe week five or six or seven. And I remember one of the topics that we put up there was, how did I go wrong on Jonathan Taylor? How did we go wrong? Like, what did I miss with Jonathan Taylor? And then all of a sudden, it's like he heard me and it just took off. And he was he was sensational. And now he's like a top six pick in uh, these drafts. Yeah, week 17, which we wouldn't have used, didn't help us a lot there because he had a huge game. But you know, it seems so obvious, but one thing, just just if I may, uh, in that analysis, the week-to-week fantasy football analysis we all consume, it's just, it would be nice if the first thing, the first factor analyzed is, well, who did they play? And you'd see, like, Taylor had a game against the Raiders where he, he went off, and sometimes it's just going to be the schedule. And judgments are made about players. They don't have to be running backs. They're made about players that, you know, this, this was a bust or whatever – but it really will change once the schedule changes. You can't, of course, always know what that's when and how that's going to manifest. But really, like a lot of times, Lamar Jackson last year, you know, sh- struggled, certainly in comparison with the year before. Then he got really sick and he missed a Pittsburgh game. And he came yeah. back and it was, wow, well, the Ravens are peaking and Jackson's back. They played Dallas and the Giants and the Jaguars and the Bengals in a row. And I'm, I'm a big Jackson fan, but the schedule was, I think, the biggest variable in that. And instead of focusing on really, is it form or is it opponent and circumstances? So that's just and something I, that I'd like to hear stressed and sort of, it may seem too obvious, but a lot of times it's not even mentioned or considered. And you know what I'm wondering, Mike, is, you know, we, a lot of times running backs are such an easy transition to the NFL, right? They come in, if they're good, they're, they're, they're good. If they, if they get the opportunity, they're, they're going to succeed. And I'm wondering if just a lot of that, them just not having a training camp last year really affected Taylor. Cause Mac got hurt week one. I think it was. That's early. right. That's right. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jonathan Taylor is going to smash. And it took five, six weeks. And there was, there was clips on him, you know, all over the internet, Twitter, whatever. He's just Missing holes, wrong reads, this, that, and all of a sudden, like you said, the schedule gets a little better. But man, he just took off, and I'm wondering if, if having a, even a full off season this year um, is going to help him uh, succeed even even more. Well, they played Baltimore early, and that would be a tough team, and that was one of those games when we were probably wondering if he was if he was any good. So, running backs, you know, Adam, I don't know how much how much time you want to spend on this. It's it's uh, 
after all the strategy, eventually it comes time to implement it. And the zero RB mindset and approach, which is, of course, well-documented and is always being discussed, what a year, I think, so far for testing that. I mean, uh, you can tell me, you'd know better than I would, I think, just how this sort of feels in comparison with other years. Last year, and maybe this is always the case where you feel like you are really out on a limb if you wait two, three rounds on running back. Um, I, I'm in a draft now where I drafted running back one, two, three. And I just, every time I look at that roster, I'm like, I love it. And I almost can't even imagine starting with no running backs there. But of course, I mean, I've learned the importance of making sure you're going against the grain in a draft. So it, it'll be something we'll probably talk about a lot and just what to do there. You did have, as we talked about last week, a couple of running backs, one being Josh Jacobs, where it seems like already they're less valuable than we thought a, a month ago. Maybe Miles Sanders ends up in, in that kind of a situation too. So, you know, it's just, it's maybe a typical year, I guess, of walking in when it, when it comes to this, but I'm already finding it a little bit stressful to wait even until round three for my first running back. Yes. So a lot to unpack there. And I want to say a couple of things. One, I suggested wait later on to plant your flags, especially for these football guys and high stakes leagues. But a guy like situations like the Josh Jacobs situation, you know, uh, that's a horrible situation for him. You can pretty much, if, if you didn't like Josh Jacobs before, you're certainly not going to love him now and you're certainly going to be fading him. Another thing I want to say is, speaking of fading, Nelson Souza on Twitter, the Franchise 12, I think he is. I'll look it up. He writes an article every year, his fade list. He's he's a high-stakes player. Nelson Souza has a, yeah, at the, franchi- at the underscore Franchise 12. He has a fade list that he does every year that he just crushes. You know, it's, you know, what's funny is you get all these websites out there. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Now you get all these websites out there that have rankings and and listings and stats and projections. And and what if you just had a list of 10 guys to completely stay away from and 10 guys to absolutely attack? I mean, I feel like that in and of itself would be enough, right? I think the list of guys to fade is very useful. And I think I had one in my head last year without having written it down. I mean, there were always guys that I never wanted. And if I tried to figure out right now who they were, I'm sure there were hits and misses. It comes Sorry, down to price, right? Like Stefan Diggs would have been somebody I never had last year. And it wasn't because I disliked him. He, I totally accepted, you know, Matt Harmon's work and just this guy is elite. But I just never saw the Bills, like, like most of us maybe, being the offense they were for a combination of reasons. And so what you got, if you, if you ended up on Diggs, Diggs went in drafts at the time where there was always someone else. You know, it was yes. early enough where there was an yep. Allen Robinson or a Galladay. There was always someone else. And so he wasn't a fade. Per, maybe he was. I don't know. Would, would, would this count? Like he was just never on my team. Yeah, no, I get it. I don't think it's necessarily a fade. It just happened. It's guys you're intentionally not not drafting. But, uh, but yeah, so Nelson Sousa does a great fade list. Check him out on Twitter. Uh, that's awesome. Matt Harmon, like you mentioned, Matt Harmon does the reception perception. That's so good. Uh, follow him on Twitter too and and, and go get his stuff because I, I go to him a lot and maybe uh, maybe we can get him on the show. That would be great to talk about receivers yep. maybe dur- during the summer, but he does some great work. Reception perception is awesome. He's the, uh, he put me on a Tyler Lockett and all that type stuff, but yeah, digs I never saw coming. I just didn't think that they were going to throw the ball them. I mean, listen, we're Bills fans, right? 
get the tables, okay? And I just, like you said, you know, Josh Allen, I, I saw him taking that next step, but I just didn't think they were going to throw every single play. So now, you know, Diggs went from a seventh-round pick to now I'm looking at the ADP here, and Diggs is going – um 15. The, the 2-5, yeah. Yeah, 17 overall. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 wild. But, yeah, back to the 0RB – um, I love what you said. I love the thought. If you zero RB is your thing, or if you're thinking about trying it out, I love the thought of going zero RB this year because this these are the type of years to do it. So you got the first seven picks, and this is Fantasy Mojo ADP. Definitely subscribe to them. They are a tool. I'm on there every single day. Fantasy Mojo ADP, mostly FFPC stuff. And you've got out of the first 12 picks, you have one receiver be, be, being taken. Right. So this is the year. If you've got pick 10 or pick eight, you can go Devontae Adams and come back with uh, maybe Tyree Kill in the second or Steph Diggs in the second or whoever your number. You can get your top two receivers uh, with your first two picks. Whereas in years past, I remember a couple of years ago, the first three picks were receivers. That was like yeah, that was Beckham. The Odell Beckham. Uh, was it Mike Evans? I'm trying to think of who else was in there. Me. Uh, I, yep, can't, I can't maybe. remember, but it was it was the Odell Beckham uh, second year uh, where he was in there, and he it was it was just the first three picks were receivers and Antonio uh, Brown. Yeah, 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 Antonio Brown. That's right. Uh, so that was the year. So uh, so it's hard to go zero RB when you're when you know with the fourth pick in the draft, you got to take the fourth best receiver. But this might be the year, man. We're right. talking three of the top twelve picks right now are tight ends: Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. And your first receiver doesn't take it to the eighth pick, and the next one at thirteenth pick. So, you know, if you're picking eighth or ninth, do you want to pick the eighth or ninth best running back? Man, you can take. Adams. I mean, think of like, like last year, Mike. I had a couple of, I had a couple of Devonte Adams, uh, Travis Kelsey teams. Those teams want me a lot, a, a lot of money, right? Um, well, and- you have to get the running back right, don't you? I mean, isn't it more incumbent upon you to sort of guess right, if I can put it that way? at those running back positions that could have been Gibson in the middle rounds. Like that was somebody that I, I had a lot of last year, but if you picked someone else instead, whoever you want to think of, even if it's like an acres or somebody that came on late, probably they're better examples of guys who didn't get the job done at all. Singletary, right? Like those, those yes. picks would have doomed you. So you have to get the running backs, right? But that's always the way it just feels that and lots of people have said this, but when you're in those middle rounds and there's wide receivers, there's just less room for error or more room for error. Like you've just got more guys right. that come in around this Deontay Johnson and so many of these guys that seem pretty comparable. But running back, I don't know. I mean, of course, studies have been done. I'm not sure how different it is, but just definitely it feels different. It feels like it's just there's uh, more risk in building yeah. a team that way. That isn't to say I don't want to do it. I definitely want to do it. I'm forcing myself to do it. <laughs> because I believe in it. I mean, I believe in it. Like the most important thing seems to be to be doing what they're not. And then yes. those FFPC drafts with the tight ends, you end up having to figure out whether you want to risk it with not one of those three guys, or then even Andrews or Hawkinson. You know, Jared Cook is somebody who's back, maybe relevant again. Johnu Smith in New England. You know, try to Kyle Pitts. Try to make it work oh. with your tight ends in that range. Yeah, for sure. And I think so. One of the best spots, Mike, if you want to do zero RB or modified zero RB is Rotoviz. So Sean Siegel's kind of the godfather of the zero RB. Um, 2013 or 14, somewhere in there, uh, he had a monster year in the high stakes world doing zero RB. 
Uh, he had a, he had a great year that year. And I think, so the great thing about Rotoviz is, is Sean comes out with an article every year. That's like the zero RB targets for running backs in the later rounds. And that kind of helps you navigate the minefield of God, what running backs do I take? And, and you know, why, and do I take handcuffs? Do I take, what, what do I do? And Sean Siegel does a great job with providing you the type of running backs that you want to target, the type of guys that, that, that you're looking for. And year in and year out, he kind of nails those Naheem Hines type backs. So those are the guys you're really looking for. You're looking for the elite handcuffs, guys who are an injury away from being an RB1, the Tony Pollards, the um, you know Madison. Alexander Madisons in theory, right? In theory, he's never done it, but yes. Right, that's right. Um, and then you want those pass catchers, guys, because you still got to start two running backs in these FFPC. You want guys that are just going to at least get you those those catches, you know, maybe four, five, six catches a game to kind of hold over until uh, one of those. Because the whole thing behind the zero RB, right, is is running back is, gets hurt a lot. It's very it's very volatile position. Look at last year; there's a ton of injuries to the running back position. McCaffrey, Barkley, all those top those top guys. The idea is, hey, let's let's avoid those injuries. Let's take the you know, the Travis Kelsey's, the Devontae Adams, the receivers who statistically get injured less, and let's build around the, those guys. So to me, I'm most comfortable in a modified zero RB where maybe I take a stud. Like if I'm even the even the heaviest zero RB guys are going to tell you, hey, in those top three, four picks, you are going to want to take that, 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 that running back, that workhorse, because they're just so valuable. But after that, pound, pound receivers because they get hurt less and they bust less. And uh, kind of those are the guys that you're that you're going to want to build around. Pete Overs that in the in the draft structure of Invitational, even he's a big zero RB guy. He took Delvin Cook, Delvin Cook right? Right. one of the more injured running backs in a, in, in the NFL, and he uh, he cleaned up for him. He had his receivers stacked, and he ended up winning the um, what I think is the toughest competition in all fantasy football, the Draft Sharks Invitational. That's right, Ab- he makes absolutely. A big check, a big novelty check. The and best the of the float. best are in that. Come on. The Thanksgiving float. He wins with that as well. <laughs> the the Thanksgiving float. float. Yeah, that'll be that'll be special. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will rewatch this and then write a lot of it down. And then hopefully yeah, not ask right. the same questions every week. For sure. Um, so good luck. You can find us lots of places. Deep end FF1, Draft Sharks, Adam Krautwurst, Mike Shope, WGR, in Buffalo. By the way. I, I don't often plug that, but I wrote a column for that website today, WGR550.com, on cards. And you and I, have I don't think we've ever talked about cards, but you know how hot that is. No, we have. Last time we got together, we talked. I, I didn't realize you were so big into cards. We were talking about Top Shot and all that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, I never, I never got into that, or at least haven't yet, but I brought a card out for you today just to show you. Is this a Honus Wagner, Mike? Is that what you got over here? No, my, my kids are playing with that. They're out on their bikes. <laughs> I've got you. A, will this work? This is like a USFL Kelly. Oh, it's beautiful. Not going to work on this. I screen. see. It. I don't know, but the oh PSA nine. USFL, PSA. Tops? Yeah, tops made it. Made two USFL sets, eighty four and eighty five. I think maybe there's an eighty three or eight. There's maybe a third one, a red one. No, I don't know. But this is eighty four, and it's a pretty good card. I mean, it's gone up three times since. 10 years ago, which was when I was mostly into it. But PSA, the big grading company, announced tonight that they're not going to accept new submissions until July because they are so backlogged and it's getting worse. So they're going to take the next two or three months and try to catch up. And so 
you're trying to get a card grade. I, I have a Will Chamberlain rookie that I was thinking of sending on the Super Express level, like a $300 level, and now feels like maybe I can't do that. I'm not sure that's right. I haven't read it through, but it sounds like they're going to put a pause on things. Anyway, so we have our interest in, uh, in cards, too. I love it. So there's a little bit of an aside there. But, yeah, so uh, we'll come back in the next week or so with – I mean, I'll be away next week, but I can take all my stuff. I'm not going to be as poorly lit anywhere else in the world as I am here at home. <laughs> my shirt comes apart like I'm the brother in Back to the Future. And, <laughs> you know, right. the, the, the dad hit someone else with the car. So yeah, that's I'm right. sort of disappearing here. Listen, you, um, look, you look great tonight. We're getting better uh, and better. I love it. And we're going to get you into you. high stakes, and then you'll be – You'll be wearing a shirt and tie on, on, on the show, okay? Oh, yes. I'll, I'll start doing my research tonight. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Adam. I'm Mike Shope with Adam Krautwurst. We'll see you next time. See you guys.